Hi, welcome to What Do Moms Do? I'm Allie. And I'm Caitlin. And today I have a, I guess, a true crime story. It's one of my fave, like, type of stories. It's a disappearance case, which me are like, it just, it blows my mind that, like, someone can literally just disappear. Mm -hmm. And, like, no answer. No answer. No explanation. Yeah. Still to this day, there are no updates. Oh man! So this the ones that make you think forever. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, this is why I love these type because I just constantly they'll be just running through my head. Like I'm like I need to solve. I need to know where. To get it. <laughs> I need to go out and figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the disappearance of Leah Roberts. I got my information from the TrueCrimeFiles.com and season three, episode eight of Disappeared. This was also featured on. Right. I've never heard of that show. <laughs> oh my God. I've been to every episode. Really? It's great. Um, I've been not feeling very well, so I sound awful. <laughs> I sound awful. <laughs> All right. So Leah Roberts was born in 1976 and grew up in the suburbs of Durham, North Carolina. Leah was the youngest of three siblings in her family. From her teenage years on, she suffered some pretty tragic life events. Um, When she was 17, her father was diagnosed with a chronic lung illness, which caused just like a lot of strain in the family, especially because Leah was about to start college at North Carolina State University. And so when she was 20 years old and a sophomore in college, Leah's mother suddenly passed away from heart disease. Kind of out of nowhere, they explain it like she was probably sick, but her father was so sick that that's kind of like where the focus was. So when her mom passed away, it was just completely out of nowhere. Oh. Over the next few years, Leah took some time off and returned to school in the fall of 1998. Just a few months after returning, she was involved in a serious car accident that left her with a punctured lung and a shattered femur. As a result, a metal rod was inserted in her femur. Um, she confessed to her sister, Kara, that before the truck had hit her, she was certain she was going to die. Like, those were the thoughts that were going through her head. Oh. And when she recovered, she felt as if she was kind of, like, born again. Um, when her sister looked through some of her writing entries after she had gone missing from this time, she would see that it wasn't just a car accident that made her feel this was as if she was given a second chance, but she would state that she felt she was born into a new life, you know, one without a mom kind of having to navigate life differently. So it was just like a totally different world for her. It's actually like, she was actually like accepting what happened though. Right. It seems like. Well, (laughs) Um, six months later, in the spring of 1999, Leah's dad died just three weeks away from when she was supposed to leave for Costa Rica to study abroad for a year. What year is this? This is 1999. Okay. So six months. My timeline in order. First, the mom passed away. And then in... She had her car accident in 1998, and then in 99, her dad died. Okay. 
So regardless of her father's death, Leah left for Costa Rica as scheduled. Dang. Yeah. One of her friends notes that she did go down to visit Leah for vacation and was very surprised that she did not show any emotion or grief from her father's death. While in Costa Rica, this is when Leah's worldviews began to change and she rejected the idea that she was just going to end up living her life the same way that everyone around her was. So getting more in touch with nature and just a different way of living. Um, although she was only around a semester away from graduating college, she left school against the advice of her siblings so she could, quote, live life to the fullest. Oh. So a lot of so Leah started learning how to play the guitar, reading a lot of new books, listening to new music, doing a lot of things differently that she used to. And her friends made it seem that this was Leah's way of searching for something. Mm -hmm. In March of 2000, Leah contacted her sister to vent, exclaiming that she feels like she's going through the motions and needs to figure out her life. This was not considered off in any way, as Leah was described, being very philosophical and felt that going to like school for four years was just a piece of paper. It was a joke. Um, so this event sesh wasn't really anything different from her normal conversations. Um, so along with like all the new things that she's doing, different musical instruments, different books, things like that, she's also distancing and isolating herself from her friends. She would go to a lot of places of, alone and would always end up meeting new people. So she would go to the coffee shop all day and would converse with a ton of different people. And these people kind of had her thinking about life outside of Raleigh. So she... Although it's not odd for someone to go places by themselves, like go out to lunch by themselves or whatnot, she would spend hours and hours at like this coffee shop just writing, meeting new people. Like chatting people up there like, hey, come talk to me. <laughs> yeah. And like versus like, you know, she's been drifting away from her friends. So it's just definitely a different perspective. Does she not have a job or anything? Like where does she live? Where, like what is going on here? So she doesn't have a job. Both of her parents passing away did leave her um, oh. enough money to kind of hang out at the coffee shop. Out <laughs> of the coffee shop, she did have a roommate. So her roommate's name was Nicole. They had a house together. Um, okay. So speaking of, Leah had plans to babysit with her roommate on a Friday night. They had talked like two days before, confirmed this, um, but Leah never showed up that night to babysit. Nicole says she didn't think much of it and headed home after babysitting expecting to find Leah, but she wasn't there. Again, she said this wasn't too unusual because they would go like one to two days without even passing each other. But after two full days pass and Nicole doesn't see, hear from Leah, doesn't see her car, she starts to get worried. And when she reaches out to Leah's other friends, she finds that Leah had missed out on a lot of other plans that she had made for those couple of days. Hmm. Um, so Sunday, March 12th, 2000, Nicole contacts Kara, Leah's sister, to see if she's heard from her. 
Her friends also note that they haven't seen her Jeep since Thursday. Okay. When Kara went to Leah's house, she felt like she was positive that Leah had left on her own accord. She could see certain things that were packed away. But even leaving on her own terms, Kara felt that Leah's mental state was altered. Therefore, alerting the police of the situation was what she thought was best. So just what does she mean that things were like packed away? Like what does she mean? Her, like she could tell that like certain things were packed, like her toothbrush was gone, some of uh, her clothes were gone. Like she could tell that she had plans to leave. She, like she was doing it. Yes. Kidnapped. Right, right. So, but again, her she did feel that her mental state was altered in some way um, because she hasn't been grieving. She, mm -hmm. you know, all, all of a sudden, all of her life views are changing, just kind of, I guess, out of the norm, I would say. Mm -hmm. And like, even if she is the way she is, just up and leaving without telling anybody is not normal. <laughs> Right. And she had talked to all of her close friends and family within like the day of actually. So it's weird. It's they keep weird. Making plans. Yes. Making, it's just weird that they wouldn't, she wouldn't announce it or even mention it. Mm -hmm. Strange. So Monday, March 13th, Kara filed a missing persons report. They really weren't sure where to start since they had absolutely no idea where she was going. The next day, Kara returns to Leah's house looking for some more clues. And, sorry. <laughs> and she does find a note that was left for her roommate. It was a folded up piece of paper. And on the front was a doodled picture of the Cheshire cat's mouth, like his smile. Okay. So Kara notes that this is actually creepy and knows that there had to be some meaning behind it. What she thought was that maybe because the cat would disappear and reappear places just with the smile. Mm. Um, so that you might just randomly find things about her, but you're not going to find her. Ooh, this is. Yeah. So very, it's like obvious, but still so discreet. Mm -hmm. Um, Inside the letter, she, found, she finds a stack of cash, and in the note, it reads that it was to cover the bills while she was gone, equating to about a month's worth of bills. So she still paid her half? Yeah, so she left enough money for her roommate to pay the bills. So, like, am I finding a new roommate? Are you coming back next month? <laughs> right. Um... <laughs> And as she reads on, the note becomes more cryptic. In the body of the letter, they see a mention of American novelist Jack Kerouac in his book, On the Road. This speaks volumes because Leah had basically romanticized the life that he portrayed in this book. So it was basically traveling the roads with little to no money, traveling the country, and kind of just taking off. Overall, the note seemed very optimistic and, and felt happy, not like anything was. No red flags. Yeah, and it even says, quote, I am not suicidal. I am the opposite. Okay, I have a question quick, though. Yeah. Can you, so she said that she um, filed a missing persons report. How can, like, 
do the police even care if it's like someone that just like went off on their own like that when she's obviously like older she's not like a child that's doing this right so good question normally no normally they would not care i mean they would literally just say she's an adult and she's telling you she left um but i think it was the fact that her mental status was altered yeah. and that is making them, you know, think that this, I mean, even if she's not in immediate danger right now, her thinking can put her there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so quote, she wanted to follow in Kerouac's footsteps and soul search. Although they did not feel she was any immediate harm, she still just wanted to know like where she was going. Like mm-hmm. I need to know where you are. When Leah had went to Costa Rica a few months before, Kara was given power of attorney of Leah's finances. So since that was still active, she was able to get into her bank account and look at her bank statements and see anything that had happened. Wait, why was she given power of attorney? When she went to Costa Rica, so she could still pay her bills here. Oh, okay. So, and they never voided that. (laughs) It was still active, yeah. So... Um, let's see. They were seeing some charges on her account indicating that she was moving west on I-40. This is when they could confirm that she was driving across the country. On Thursday, March 9th, so before she went missing, and this is actually the day, I believe, that she had that venting sesh with her sister. Her bank statement confirms that around 6 p.m. she withdrew $3,000 and then hit the road. On March 10th, she checks into a hotel. On March 13th, she makes her last known transaction for gas in Oregon. Kara, her her sister, couldn't think of like a reason that she would want to go to Oregon. Like, like, you know, there was there. Yeah, but she felt that the path she was taking to get there was pretty deliberate. And kind of not, like, all over the place. Like, it was like, I'm getting here to Oregon. Yeah. Leah's family and friends were talking around town to people that she may have spoken to to get any answers that they could. They then spoke to a woman named Janine that Leah became pretty close with um, at the coffee shop. So it was someone she would spend basically hours talking with her specifically about Jack Kerouac and the adventures that they yearned for from his stories. She stated that she completely knew that she would be taking off into the mountains because that's where Jack Kerouac went. So Janine was like, oh yeah, I knew this was going to happen. What? So she was like talking to this girl all about like her plans. Wow. Yeah. So, so right now it's nine days without any communication. And ironically, it's Kara's 26th birthday. Kara is sure that she's going to get a phone call from her sister, but instead receives a cryptic message from Washington, the local sheriff's department there. It's stuck in her like mailbox and it says in caps, it's a handwritten note emergency please call the durham sheriff's department this is in regards to leah's last known location leah's car was found wrecked in washington state and it's handwritten handwritten yeah 
So, like, so when clearly. I saw it, it looked super sketch, like, as if it wasn't from the police. Um, so, but it was. <laughs> it was. They had just gone there to talk to her, and this is in 2000. So, I mean, like, you um, know, leaving a note was kind of normal. <laughs> Damn, I was like, what the heck? I don't know. I did too at first, and I was like, oh, here it is. No. <laughs> like, this is sketchy. So, um, a day earlier, 3,000 miles from North Carolina, a man and his wife were taking a morning jog, and they looked over the side of the road and found a car crashed in the ditch. So, it was, it was actually, like, a pretty, like, hard fall ditch, um, and this was on Canyon Creek Road. Upon arriving to this scene, the deputy found that the vehicle seemed suspicious right off the bat. The Jeep was found with blankets and sheets covering the blown-out windows. There were clothes scattered outside the car, as well as her guitar, her checkbook, and other personal items that were just scattered everywhere. But Leah was nowhere to be found. The Washington State Police contacted Durham Sheriff Department after learning who the car was registered to, and when police arrived to Kara's, that's when they left the note. Weird. So, so all of her stuff just everywhere. Everywhere. And, like, if you look up the crime scene photos from it, or I, I don't know, crime scene, or just photos from the wreck, it's definitely, it, it's, a, it's a something to look at. You know, like, there's, it's literally in the middle of the woods. It's not even, like. Does it look like because of the wreck that got scared everywhere or like she did it sort of both hmm. so police said that the vehicle was going uphill around 30 miles an hour and then while going down the vehicle was bouncing off multiple trees and that was kind of where all the scattered items were from um. the police specifically say Quote, if there were someone in the car at the time, they would have been severely injured. But there was no sign of injury, no sign of struggle, inside or outside the car. And quote, one of the detectives said, it did not appear at the time of the fall, there was a person in the car. There was no blood. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no blood, no mark on the windshield. <clears throat> and you can tell, I guess, because of the seatbelt, there was no strain on the seatbelt. Oh. So, four days after Leah's Jeep was found, Kara and their brother Heath flew out to help search for her, their sister. Either Leah had an accident with the car, got out, and has been intentionally staying clear from others, or something bad happened. That was the two scenarios that police are kind of going off of now. While sifting through Leah's belongings, they found, like, a memory box, and it had a ticket from a movie theater from less than a mile away from just a few days before. Kara went, asked around the movie theater, um, and in the mall that the movie theater was in, just searching for any leads. Kara found a sit-down restaurant at the mall that she was like, this is something that Leah would love. Like, the aesthetic, whatever it was, she, it was just drawn to her thinking of her sister. Um, <laughs> the staff member claimed that she was there and she was alone, but had two people seat sitting on either side of her that would occasionally conversate with her. 
One of the patrons who was sitting next to her calls the police and gives a tip, saying they described her as being very cheery, very happy, but explained that there was another person on the other side of her talking to her. The other person was found and contacted. He confirmed that they spoke about Jack Kerouac, why she was there, etc. He also tells them that she did not leave alone, but actually left the restaurant with the other guy, the one who had actually called in first. The man believes that his name was Barry and gives, I mean, an impeccable description where, of this person that a sketch was made. They were not able to confirm this story with anyone else at the restaurant, so the police really didn't know which of the two men were telling the truth. So it's been three weeks now since she's been missing. The police believe that she would have had about $2,500 on her when she left. So after getting the money out, stopping in a store, you know, getting a few things, inside a pair of pants that they found in the Jeep was $2,400. So all of her money still there. And under a floorboard in the Jeep, they find Leah's most sacred possession. It was her mother's engagement ring. And all of her friends and family say that she would never take that ring off. She took everything. And this like really, I don't know why, but this quote really got me. She took everything of value with her and everything of value was still in the car. Like everything she cared about, everything that actually meant something to her, Went with her on this adventure, but it was still in the car when it was found crashed. Not a good sign. Right. So it's becoming clear that whatever the intentions were for going on this road trip, something has gone seriously wrong. It was not, this part of the story was not intentional. And police believe that it was not Leah that stopped this trip. The search continues with a highly trained search team, and there's still no sign of Leah in any form. Now, they are certain that Leah was not injured from the car and that no one was in the car when it crashed. So they did like a whole, so I don't know how they did it, but they figured that from this crash, X, Y, and Z would be the options for her injuries. And this is how far she would have gotten with these injuries. So they did like a perimeter search from that statistics and searched there. There was nothing, no blood. There was nothing found in that perimeter. Mm -hmm. So the last known place where Leah was, was the gas station where she filled up for the last time in Oregon. Police obtain the security footage from the gas station and see Leah's entering the store. And although it isn't the best quality, they can tell she seems to be physically and mentally fine. You know, she's cheery. She's just paying for her stuff. Um, The man who claimed Leah left with Barry, his behavior starts to change and become odd to the police. And they start to kind of question his intentions. So I think they just kind of kept in contact with him and his story kept changing. And one thing that they point out is that the, the sketch, he gave too much detail. detail. Like it was, the sketch is very good. I mean, 
And usually in cases, people only remember, oh yeah, he had like, you know, wide eyes or a receding hairline or, I mean, this guy down to like smile, literally everything. Um, which I mean, it doesn't just mean he's wrong, but it's definitely like questions the intentions. Mm -hmm. Um, so years go by. Leah's Jeep has safely been secure in police custody. Years before, they offered to give the car back to the family. And his, the sister, Kara, was like, no, I specifically want this to be secured away because things happen years, you know, technology advances, things yeah. advance. Good for her. Yeah. Like, I'm trusting the system on this one and <laughs> we're going to ride this one out. Yes. So seven years pass and the original detective of the case retires and the case is passed down. The new detective decided to reopen the case with a fresh set of eyes. He first thinks what hasn't been done yet. Something that hadn't been done was no one had searched or looked under the hood of the car. Hmm. Something you don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> why would you do that? Yes. So it had, it, but to me, I'm like, yeah, why would you do that? But also they knew that no one was in the car and it was accelerating. So like, uh-huh. No, and how was that happening? Right. Good point. Good point. <laughs> so it appeared. I'm thinking that, like you can't play like a rock because that's gonna make it go way faster than 30. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Um. So it appeared that the Jeep had been tampered with. The cover. Okay, I have no idea what any of this means. The <laughs> cover on the starter relay had been removed, which is what made it possible for the car to be started and accelerated on its own. <laughs> So you don't need a key, you don't need to push any of that? Nothing. But someone with a certain level of knowledge as a mechanic would Oh yeah. Know this. No normal person just walks in and is like, I can do this in the car well. <laughs> right. So funny thing, the guy who stated Leah left with Barry is actually a very successful mechanic. Oh, weird. Yeah. So police decide to process the car one more time. This time on the underside of the hood, they find a set of fingerprints that was never processed. This part kind of confuses me. I got like mixed information, but this is collectively what I had got out of it, I guess. Um, The fingerprints had a hit for a man living in Canada. Canadian authorities were contacted and asked to get DNA and fingerprint analysis um, from this individual. Clothing was submitted to the FBI for DNA testing um, that they did find in her car. So it takes two years to obtain the fingerprint and DNA from the Canadian suspect. Years? Can you imagine being the, the, like the new detective and like opening that up and then being like, okay, let's just like put this stuff in. And then two years later, oh, thank you for finally getting back to me. Oh, great. What was this again? Yeah. Um, so the Canadian suspect was not a match to the DNA. They do finally find DNA of a male on an item from Leah's car. And it's safe to say the DNA match was never found to anyone in their system because no arrests have been made. Wait, so there's separate DNA on the clothes than what was on the car. Is that what you said? I, I get, I think so. Yes. Um, it okay. seemed like there was fingerprints. Multiple. 
Yeah. And who knows? I mean, this could have been like a used car. Like, yeah. I, I remember seeing something that was like sometimes people's DNA is on clothes just because of like trying them on or people that worked in the store or the manufacturer or whatever. Yes. And it's crazy because I, oh, I shouldn't, but I think about it like, oh, I'm opening a door. Yeah. Or like, I'm, and now I've just touched that. My DNA is here. Like, I feel like it's just so, but you can tell if it's like touch DNA or actual like good DNA. Good <laughs> DNA. Like you did something DNA. So again, like there's no real ending. So I was sleuthing around and um, I came across this really interesting Reddit board about the case. Oh. and we're just like discussing it there yeah oh yeah all the time I love so, it <laughs> this is what I found so Leah Roberts is described among other things as being about five six and having a scar on her right hip where a metal rod was inserted into her right femur at the end of 1998 following the car accident in 2014 a mummified body was found in the same region where she was said to go missing. This body was unrecognizable, but was apparently classified as a white male between 33 and 55, which is obviously quite unlike a 23-year-old female who was, you know. Right, wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> um, however, massive mistakes have been made on badly decay bodies before, including incorrect gender ID, because there's no how do you yeah. anatomical parts to show you like what it was mm -hmm. um in any case this doe was estimated to be about five five and had a metal rod implanted in the right femur the rod's mm -hmm. lot number was traced and the batch was apparently shipped in fall of 1998 at the time and place where leah roberts had her surgery that's some so, weird coincidence there Right. I mean, now it, it seems extremely unlikely chance that this body of the same height turns up in the same area that she's had and to match. Yeah. Same surgery, same leg, same everything. Um, I mean, of course, there's possibilities of a coincidence, and I hate coincidences. Um, but oh, was there like a police report about this mummified body being found? Like, where, what is that? It's still. A, J a John or Jane Doe. Interesting. You'd think that like they'd even go farther than just like a lot number for you to like have like for reasons like this. So usually, which is the crazy part. There's oh, specific serial numbers for every person. And for some reason in this case, there was only a lot number. Of course. Right. I used to have to enter up like even even like if my, I used to work with an ortho, like pins that were put in, I mean, everything was everything so customized to the because person. Because of things like this, like they need to know that like everything, it's basically setting up so that you have evidence for everything. Right. <laughs> kind of messed up, but <laughs> right. um, to backtrack and be able to like trace things. So like for this, I feel like there's like two possibilities, like either it's a crazy coincidence I mean, mm -hmm. it's happened before, but I think 
it's far-fetched enough that it should be looked at by authorities. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, or there could have just been mistakes made examining the dough. I mean, this mm-hmm. happened before. So when reading this, I did see that the person who posted did contact the local authorities to give them this information to kind of mm-hmm. try to connect them in any way. Um, but as of right now, there's literally nothing. There's no new information. Um, and to me, like, I feel like all of the theories sound right because that's all the information we have. And how, so how, when you knew that the car was like tampered with, did you not go talk to that guy again or like push more on that guy? Because him being a mechanic, um, what, how do you? Yeah. I think from things that I read, I feel that there were some, some things looked at, but I think that there isn't like conclusive evidence yet. From what I read, it's like still an open case and they haven't really given much information out, which I, I usually think is a good thing because that means that there's stuff happening behind the scenes. Like they could definitely think it's this guy, but they have to like get more evidence or whatnot and they don't want to, you know, release too much information, but. Yeah, because once they start releasing things, then people start getting their own ideas and going off on their own. and this is just another reason why I'm scared of the world is like this girl was just trying to meet new people go explore the world and it seems as if someone just took advantage yeah because I mean if she's sitting in a coffee house like a young 20 year old girl like well over 20 is how old she was um and they see an opportunity where this girl is off on her own for both her parents said they probably knew money was involved or that she had some type of money, but that's, what's actually weird too. So that if someone was like hurt her, um, and made the car go off the road and everything, why didn't they take the money out of her pocket and like her checkbook? I know. And, And to me, I have always kind of thought that, you know, if this guy did take her from the coffee house and she was like, dude, I'm not interested. Like something went wrong. And he was just like panicking to get rid of the car. Like maybe it was in front of his house and she willingly went and hung out with this guy or something. And then something went wrong. I think that it was like pure panic, you know, not like I'm going to rifle through things and just like, let's get this. Oh, that's true. Like you might have known that her money was right there. Right. True. And it doesn't seem possible that she like just walked off. Like again, why would she leave the money? Why would she launch the car? Because what honestly, if if you're, you know, like a young adult and you leaving, it's not a crime. So why would you make it like staged to where you crash your car? And obviously that makes it even more on the lookout for you because now they're looking for your body. Exactly. And they have a vehicle. So that doesn't make sense that it would be her that did that. No. And clearly she felt, you know, she was capable enough to be able to just walk off, step away from her life. And she didn't tell anyone she was leaving. So it's not like she like 
was feeling guilty about anything or felt like she was doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I and know. it seems like with all of it that she did have plans to like go back. Like she wasn't, it wasn't going to be like a, of you know, like a forever trip. It was, yeah. I need some time. Maybe this was her like kind of grieving process was to get some, you know, I need to go see some things. I need to go someplace. Mm-hmm. It's weird that she just chose one location and there's like no real, um, oh wait, no, there was a reason that she went there, right? Because the book was that talked yeah. about in that state. Yeah. Okay. Then there is a reason for it. There, so. And it seems like she was still being responsible, like was going to have her pay her bills and everything, which if she had plans to not come back, she, I feel like she would have told her roommate, look for a new roommate. <laughs> and she wrote a note, you know, she wrote a note that was happy, cheery. I mean, it was, if you basically don't worry about me. Yeah. Like, don't worry. I'm just going to do my thing. Like, yeah, I don't think it says specifically when she'll be back or if she'll be back, but I think that I truly don't feel that she had intentions to like disappear, cut off all ties with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like she should have said something to her sister though. Yeah. Like I'd be pissed. I know. To me, the way that it sounded on the episode of Disappeared with her sister talking, that's why I love that show because it's, it, yeah, there's some cheesy reenactments, but it's mainly just the family that was involved, people who were there that day, even like the lady from the coffee shop, she came on. Oh. It was like specific facts about what had happened from them and not just like. Not like us talking about it. <laughs> It's not like us talking. <laughs> like someone else's theory. It's like, this is what actually happened. This went down. This is what we think about Leah. Not like somebody interpreting the theory. <laughs> yeah. And like, even the lady in the coffee shop who said she knew that like this was going to happen. She said there was no intent for her to stay away either. So. And if she's like so cheery about it, like she obviously, like the person in the coffee shop, she didn't think any danger was going to happen to her. She would have probably spoken up right away. Like, oh no, she's in danger. She's planning on doing this, this, this there. She's like, no, she's just going on a trip. Leave her alone. Yeah, no, I knew about it. (laughs) So I just love these cases. I love, I I don't love people disappearing, but I love just like kind of being able to think about it on your own and like think about what the possibilities are I mean um, not knowing the answer that was kind of uh makes me feel a little crazy I know it's like let me get to the end of the episode and figure out what happened now right no we won't um but there was like a meme when unsolved mysteries came back on Netflix mm-hmm. um <laughs> I like really felt it it was like watching unsolved mysteries and then getting pissed when they're not solved yeah <laughs> how the why did you just lead me through all that and you're not even gonna tell me the answer next but that's one so weird. i'll do i'm gonna like do a search like is there any other missing people um that have a right rod femur <laughs> bone <laughs> that were in this state when they got it there's come on that needs to be our job. I'm fine with that. I'll do that. Right. Like sitting at home and they send you, okay, do a search on yeah. this and this. All right. Got it. Um, I will not sleep until I figure it out. Yep. Yeah. Next time I, I have another one in mind that I really want to do. Um, 
kind of like it disappeared one, but there, I think there's an update. So I'll updates make it even better. Yeah. Also, that just made me think about, because like, I remember when we were first talking about like crime cases and we haven't talked about this one yet. I don't know if you're actually going to, so I won't say too much about it if we are going to like do a whole thing on it. I don't know if she, I don't think it was like a disappearing one. The girl that like went a bunch of miles without an arm or something. Oh, Mary Vincent. Yeah. Oh, I'll do that for sure. She's so okay. badass. Okay, good. Because I was like, I just remembered that. <laughs> it just came back to me because I was like, wait. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I'll do that. And send us in your guys' suggestions. I mean, I feel like I've heard everything. I know. Sometimes I'm like, did you, or the other day on the news when there was that, um, they had like come back to court, I guess it was like on Good Morning America. And it was like that morning it was on it. And I said, uh, they called themselves some type of thing. And I sent it to you and you're like, oh yeah, so messed up case. I'm like, what? You already know. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. And I didn't think it was like an old case. Like when I first saw it, I just saw what they had done. And then I sent it to you and you're like, oh yeah, well, I'm like, wait, what? And so I like Googled it. I'm like, this is from this many years ago. And I don't even know what's going on. I know. I mean, I can't even remember anything about it now either. It's so funny about like the, the Chris Watts thing, mm-hmm. that case. I was like, what, while it was happening, like play by play, I remember watching like stuff on the news about when, when they were just missing like play by play them missing no one even suspecting him and then it happening and then all of a sudden years later there's so many documentaries people are obsessed and I'm like old news (laughs) (laughs) just kidding but really it's so weird that he wasn't a suspect I mean or like not full on but now when you look at him you're like clearly that was him yeah for sure terrible Yep. So yeah, send us in um, any cases that you want us to talk about. It could even be like, there's one, some of my favorite murder one year around Halloween, they did all of the fucked up shit that has happened at Disney World. <gasps> no. Oh my no. God. So many murders, so many kill, like people dying there. Um, oh my gosh. I was literally just like talking about this because- I mean, I didn't know there was actually um, crimes happening there, but I was, we were talking about Disney World and I was like, I will not go just us, like me and Justin with the kids. I'm like, there's too many of them. <laughs> there's yeah. not enough of us. We need more. We need to have like an equal number of adults to children with us so that it's just safer. Yeah. And sure. I didn't even know that there was like actually crimes in Disney World. <laughs> and they're so messed up too. So like, I'll, maybe I'll do it one day, but um like some of them just ruin everybody's ruin everyone's life. No, ruin Disney World. I mean, I think like one case they like dragged a body just off of Disney World property so it wouldn't have to be like Disney's problem, like press or whatever. So I was gonna say I don't even I've never feel like I've ever heard of anything happening on Disney. They probably cover that shit up so oh, well. Cover it up. Well, we're gonna expose you. <laughs> Watch out, Walt seriously that's scary yeah all right well maybe i'll do that soon so yeah send us in your shit um what do moms do at gmail.com yeah send away oh sorry i'm like yes (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> I'm like still the same thing about Disney World messed up. That's so messed up. Google, you're gonna like freak out. No, I can't do it. <laughs> um, make sure you go review, rate, review, subscribe, share, um, all yeah. of it. We love reading the reviews. I mean, it's definitely helpful and it kind of helps us see what you guys like to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know here we kind of just mash it up. All the right. Time. Give you a little bit of everything so you don't get bored. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for hanging. See you next time. Bye. Bye.